We have two topics. Amud Bet is going to be about uh, statements that imply excommunication. And sometimes people will use a, a language of nidui, even though they actually mean that, not that you're excommunicated, but that I want to keep far from you. I want to have no benefit from you. And that was the statement of Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But so right now, we're continuing that the theme of Yadayim and uh, in other topics. So we saw yesterday, we asked, is there Yad for Kiddushin? If I say Harad Mekodeshali to one woman, and then just Ve'at uh, to another woman, is she also Mekodeshet? We saw regarding Pe'af, I designate one part of a field and then just add an abbreviation. Does that apply to the second part of it? And now we're going to have three more questions. We're not going to answer them um, regarding Sedakah. We're making something Hefked, ownerless. And finally, about designating a room as a bathroom, whether you can say Shema in that room. So we start. Yes, Yad en Yad Can you use an abbreviation when uh, designating some money as charity? Does it work or is it not valid? So what exactly is, is your question? If you're pointing to one bunch of money and you say, this money will be for, for Sedaqah, and then you look at another um, a bunch of money and you say, and that coin also. Uh, will be for money, uh, for charity. Then how sedaka mahi? That is uh, that is a full statement of sedaka. Uh, even though the second one is abbreviated, it comes right after the first one, and it's clear that it's a continuation. That one also is going to be sedaka. In that case, both piles of money or both coins will be um, a vow that you have to give them to sedaka. Ella haden. But what if he just said on the first coin, he said, This one is for Sadaka. And the other one, he just said, uh, uh, This one. He doesn't say also. He just pulls up another coin or points to it and says, This one. So, well, what does he mean? Does he mean, and this one also? And it's just a very short form. So, yes, there is abbreviated forms. Apply to uh, obligating oneself to charity. Maybe when he said that one, he meant I'm going to spend it on something else. Um, and he was not completing his statement. He was saying something else. One coin he said, this one's going to be for a sedaqah. And then he said, and that he said that one, and he had in mind, oh, I'm going to use that to buy oil. Um, but it was not a continuation. Okay, that's the question. And here's the two sides of the considerations. Um, there is a juxtaposition. They're next to each other in a pasuk um, because this pasuk in the Vedim says the word beficha, and we learn that beficha is referring to sedaka, and it's next to korbanot. So just like regarding korbanot, if I say this item is like a korban, then uh, the yad works, or if I actually designate it as a korban, a yad works. So to sedaka, that would be a yad. Or maybe when we're comparing sedaka to korban, we're only comparing it in a limited way to learn that just like if I ask, designate a sacrifice, I have to bring it in a timely manner before three regalim holidays will pass. And that's so to Sedaka. If I donate something to Sedaka, 
If I promise something, then I have to pay that bill in a timely manner, which is, by the way, an important halacha. You donate something to a charity, to a, to a Bet Knesset, you do have to pay in a timely way. Okay, let's see the pasuk that we are making reference to. Uh, it's right here. Um, ki, uh, okay, this the it's pasuk twenty-four. Mosa kasher nadarta ladonai elohecha nedaba asher dibarta beficha. So the midrash says that the word beficha refer, refer, refers to sedaka. Fine, let's accept that. Well, what's the rest of the context? Pasuk 22 here, that's the pasuk we've been talking about uh, a couple of times. And this refers to uh, animal sacrifices. means you should not put it off and delay it. So that's the question regarding Sedaka, which is spoken about in this context. I know not explicitly, um, but nevertheless, we infer it from Beficha. So are we making a full comparison? And uh, just like regarding Korban, you can make a Yad, so Sedaka, an abbreviation is valid and binding, or maybe the comparison is just that you should not delay in paying and uh, so Sedaka, that's it. We're just not, not delaying paying, but abbreviations do not work. All right, so we leave it open ended and we go move on to the next question. Yes, Yad Lehefker or Dilma and Yad Lehefker. If I go and I say this uh, uh, chair, I put it out in the street, I say it's ownerless. Um, is that uh, if I say a full designation, certainly, what about an abbreviation? So we say, that's the same as Sedaka, giving something to the Sedaka, to the poor person, is the same as uh, uh, giving it to Efker, because who's going to take it? Probably a poor person, right? I'm giving it away to someone who needs it. I'm assuming if they're rich, then they're not going to have to pick up uh, my furniture off the street. Um, so it's the same thing, the same question. Why are you asking again about the very same item? So here's what we mean to say. We're using a um, if you say uh, type of uh, formula. Um, if you think that there, that abbreviations are binding regarding charity, then and the reason you would say that is because a juxtaposition is always full. You can't make half a juxtaposition. Once you're comparing two concepts because they're next to each other in a pasuk, then the comparison is full, right? Once you open the lines of communication, then each one's going to teach the other all of it. Uh, therefore, abbreviations do work in both. Even if you do say that regarding charity, so would we assume that Hefket is in fact the same? And so you're right, maybe it is the same, but not necessarily. Or would you say that charity is different from giving things away, making them ownerless, because charity you only give to those who are in, who are, who are in need. Whereas if kid making it ownerless, you never know who might take it. Could be a wealthy person will take it, right? If I give away books, or a lot of times, right, you'll see a, a stack of books that people put in front of their house or someplace, and anyone can take, and even a rich person will come by and say, oh, that looks like an interesting book. Yeah, they can afford to buy it, but it's right there, and um, right there's no shame, and uh, everybody would uh, take a free book. And so sometimes things that are ownerless, even rich people would take. So it is a different, it's a different category, not necessarily the same as charity. So would we say it's the same, and therefore we'll use the same derivation from that from the pasuk in Devarim, or that pasuk is talking about charity. It's not talking about hefker. Hefker is not the same thing. 
All right. That's uh, the second question. Now to the third challenge. Yes, If you're going to designate something as a bathroom, can you use an abbreviation? Now, why would this matter? Because you cannot say in a bathroom. Not permitted. So I didn't know if something's a bathroom or not. Well, if it's used as a bathroom, so certainly it was designated and is used as a bathroom, then for sure you cannot. We're talking about a case where you're building a new home and you're going through, right, you're going through the different rooms, and you say, oh, I think this should be the bathroom, and this one should be something else, right? So if just designating it um, would be a bathroom. Now, let's say you say this is a bathroom, but use an abbreviation. Then is it considered a bathroom? And you can say Shema there already from then, even before you start using it, or... Uh, is abbreviation not a valid designation? Okay, good. So we ask, If you're walking down the hallway and say, this is going to be a bathroom, and then you go to the next room and you say, and this one also, well then, that's obvious that you mean to continue your statement, and it's one long full statement. It's not, uh, not considered an abbreviation. So certainly both of them are going to be bathrooms. By the way, we never say, you know, a, a, a bathroom or we always use the Lashonikiya, Betakise, the the house of the chair, right? There's the chair. We don't call it a toilet room or anything like that. Um, okay, so Hebrew is always so beautiful. The sometimes people say the throne room. All right. If someone just said, um, I think it said, said this is a bathroom, and they said, and this, um, but he didn't say, and this also. So then that is that considered an abbreviation? That, that's an abbreviation. So what do we say? When he says, he means, and this also will be a bathroom and so he's continuing his words or maybe he meant something else he's walking by he says this is going to be a bathroom and he says and this and he didn't finish his sentence but in his mind he continued and said it will be a broom closet and so we don't know what he meant so and in that case it would not be a bathroom and i could go and say shema in there so that's the question now but uh, uh, we stop right there and say, hold on, there's a more fundamental question that we have to ask before this one. Is there, zimun literally means to, to make a reservation. Do you have to make a reservation to use the bathroom? That's not what it means here. It means here is a, a designation. Before anyone actually uses it as, as a bathroom, if it's only designated as such, right? I'm writing on my, my uh, floor plan with my architect, this is going to be a bathroom, right? And does that make it a bath? Does that make it a bathroom and already prohibited, right? Does, does designation already make it a prohibited to say Shema there or not until I actually use it? Um, that's the question. So you have to ask a more fundamental question. Even if I do designate it with full language, right, and I put a sign on it, this is going to be a bathroom, but I haven't used it, why are you assuming that that itself would be a problem? Ravina himself, who's the one that raised this question to begin with, he also once asked, uh, this very challenge, if one designated a room to be a bet kiseh, what is his status? Can I say Shema there? So he didn't even, he wasn't even sure of that. He similarly asked, he's been bet hasmahu. If he designated some a place as a bathhouse, uh, you uh, just like you can't um, say Shema in a in a toilet room, so too you can't do so in a room that's for bathing. 
uh, not appropriate. And so if you just designated it as um, a room for bathing, what about that? Zimun mo'il or en zimun mo'il, does designation already give it a status and you can't say shema or designation? It does not mean anything until someone actually uses it as such. So you see that Avina didn't even, was not even sure if designation works. And now he's asking if an abbreviation of a designation works. And the answer is yes. He was asking one question within another question. Zimun mo'il or en zimun mo'il. First of all, does designation, is it effective? And if you do say that there is designation with a full statement, what about if I only use an abbreviation? Does that work or not? And this question, Tiba'ele, is remains un unresolved. It is a question for him. Uh, this is the equivalent of Teko that we find in other Masechtot. In Masech and Darim, it says Tiba'ele. So this is another example. We already saw one uh, previously of the unusual vocabulary or terminology of Masech and Darim. All right, and that concludes the series of five items that we wonder. Uh, I know we know that there is um, abbreviation regarding or making something like a korban. But what about these other five uh, items? And uh, while we have the both sides of the dilemma, we leave them open-ended. And I imagine that in an actual yeshiva, in those times when the students got together, they each would have to come up with arguments uh, for and against. And this is like the heading, the exercise. And uh, this is the prompt that the teacher gave on the test. And then the students would have to go ahead and compose arguments this way and that way. All right, now the Mishnah said, If someone says, I am minudeh, which means like nidui, ostracized, uh, excommunicated from you, um, what about that? Is that effectuate a type of oath that I am prohibited in uh, to benefit from you and you from me? Or is this a language of excommunication? Not, a, not the language of a, of a neder. Um, like the other other statements before. There is overlap between them in that if someone is, ex is excommunicated, they are not allowed to benefit, and you, cannot be you may not benefit, that you can't give any benefit to them. You can't invite them over to your house, you can't invite them to your wedding, you can't give them an aliyah, right? You can't give them any benefit. So there is some overlap, but it's a different mechanism. So the question, if I say minudet, do I mean, like if I say, you know, you're far from me, um, do I mean that, uh, in, uh, do I mean it in as a mechanism of oath? Amar Abaye, Moder Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah says, Chochech, he struggled with it and he ended up being uh, uh, stringent. Okay. Moder Rabbi Akiva Linyan Malkotche, no loked, imken nitne Rabbi Akiva Machmir. So Abaye explains that while Rabbi Akiva struggled with it and he said we should be stringent, he wasn't actually stringent regarding a punishment. If someone would say, and then he would have benefit, go ahead and take benefit from him, him and uh, eat his food, uh, while normally for a regular neder, if once someone violated a full neder, he would get malkut, lashes. In this case, he would not get lashes because he's not sure. Um, if he said, if, if Rebecca Yiva wanted to say Gelash, he, he should say Machmir. He's stringent. He considers Nidui like an oath. So therefore you get lashes. But he didn't say that. He's Chochech. So therefore that means that he's not sure. Don't, do, don't violate the oath, but uh, you're not going to get lashes for it. Amara Papa. 
ונדנה מינך לכל העמלה פליגי דה אסור, משמת נמינך לכל העמה שרה. Now Papa is going to give us the range, it's always good to test things with the more extreme cases to see what exactly is the question at stake. If someone says, נדנה מינך, נדנה is like from the same language as נידה. Nida means someone who is kept far away, um, right? A man and a woman, when she's Nida, they have to separate from each other. See, she is uh, sent away or distanced. So the word Nadena could just mean distance. And if you say the word Nadena, even though it's also the same root as Nidui, but it doesn't have the particular form of Nidui, so everybody would agree Nadena, um, uh, that that would make a, pro- pro- a neder prohibition and you can't benefit from each other. Meshamat naminach, shamta, that is an official language of, an ex- of excommunication. And everyone would agree that that would not create a neder and that would not create a prohibition. So that would be fine because that's only used for a language of excommunication. It's not used for languages of I, I'm, I'm prohibited to you. So be my police. So what is in fact the the machloket uh, here? Be menude ani lecha. If he says menude, which is a language of nidui of excommunication, but it does have a uh, it does have a, a possible meaning of like nida, so it's an ambiguous term. Rebbe Akiva said, "It sounds like it means um, uh, a, a, a vow." But Rabbanan sabre lishana de meshamatnahu. Rabbanan say it sounds more like excommunication. So if it sounds more like a vow, just uh, um, right, you know, like you would say nida. Uh, then it then it's an effective oath. Whereas according to the banan, uh, it means it means shamot. Uh, it only means excommunication, and so it does not express a vow of prohibition. That's where the question is. All right, all that was according to Rav Papa. That was his interpretation. Um, however, Rav Chista has a different interpretation of where the machloket is. Upeligad Rav Chista that um, uh, this so Rav Papa would disagree with Rav Chista. Tahu Gavrat Amar Meshamatna Benichse Debere Derav Yirmiya Bar Aba. There was a certain case where a man came and said, "I am excommunicated from the property of the son of Rav Yirmiya Bar Aba." I I making a vow that he's not going to have any benefit from his property. Now he used the word Meshamatna. Which normally just means excommunicated, and that would not make a vow of prohibition. Um, if you know, if anything, that might excommunicate the other guy, but he's not excommunicating the person. He's saying um, excommunicated from the property, so you can't excommunicate property. So it, it wouldn't have any effect if it's actually ex- ex- an excommunication. Um, you can excommunicate oneself. We'll see in a few minutes. So this would have zero meaning if it meant excommunication. The question is, does it mean a, a vow of prohibition? Uh, and so would that person be prohibited from the property or not? And his response was, nobody worries about the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. We follow Chachamim. Meaning that we don't worry about Rabbi Akiva, who considers such language to be like a vow and prohibited. He is stringent. Rather, we follow Chachamim that this is only a language of excommunication and therefore 
has no is not binding, has no validity. What do we see here from the fact that he applied Rabbi Akiva, even though he said we don't follow Rabbi Akiva, but his interpretation of Rabbi Akiva is that Rabbi Akiva is talking about even the language of Mishamatna. So Kafam Kasabar Mishamatna Pelige. Therefore, see according to Rav Chista, the argument between Rabbi Akiva who's Machmir, and Chachamim, who are Mekel, is not only with that in-between language of Menudeh Ani Lecha, that's where it's an ambiguous language, and it's not unlike Rapapa, who thinks that if it was Meshamatna, everyone would agree that that's the language of excommunication and be machmir, even in Chachamim. No, Rav Chista does not think, because in this case, he used the word Meshamatna, and he said, I'm not following Rabbi Akiva. So it means Rabbi Akiva, uh, is the would uh, prohibit in, Misha, in that if he said Mishamatna, but Chachamim would not. So the Machloket is even regarding the the word Mishamatna, uh, which is um, a more clear. So he, he Rav Chista puts the Machloket in a different place than Rabbi, than Rav Hapa does. All right, Amar Rabbi Ila Amar Rav Nidahu befanav en matirin lo ela befanav Nidahu shelo befanav matirin lo ben befanav ben ben shelo befanav. Since we mentioned talking about excommunication, here's some laws of excommunication. Good to know. You never know when you might have to use them. Um, if someone was uh, excommunicated in front of his face, then when they undo it, right? It's not forever. Person, you know, did some some sin. And that's that requires excommunication. When he makes teshuvah, we undo it. But if it's done in front in front of his face, then you have to undo it also in his presence. Whereas if the sages got together and they declared an edui not in front of him, um, then they would also undo it not in front of him. Uh, this is like uh, you know Elisha Acher. The rabbis got together and made nidui, and then they sent someone to tell. Uh, they sent him to tell Achet, oh, the sages, they just made a nidui against you. Okay, what is the reason? Uh, several are offered. I think that's most, uh, the best uh, reason is that this is similar to, you know, embarrass, if you embarrass someone in public to his face, then you have to uh, apologize also in public to his face. Whereas if it's a private matter, then you can apologize privately. Um, the idea is that nidui in, in front of him not only excommunicates him, it also is a public shaming. And so once they make teshuvah, you want to undo the public shaming by uh, taking it off of him and saying, okay, now you don't deserve to be shamed anymore. So if it's in front of him, then the undoing should also be in front of him. Amada, whereas if it's not in front of him, then he didn't have that Public shaming, so then you don't have to undo that part of it. Amarav Chanin Amarav Hashomer has karat Hashem epi chavero sarich lenado tovim lo nidau hu atzmo yeheb nidui. If you hear someone say God's name in vain, then you have to put him in excommunication. And if you don't, then you yourself will be excommunicated. You see from here that nidui is not only done by a betin, but uh, you can also have a private citizen, like a citizen's arrest. All right, a person can go, says, I am putting you in Nidui. You know, what did you just say? You're not allowed to say Hashem's name um, uh, in vain. And the reason why it's so important is because anytime Hashem's name is said in vain, then poverty will enter enter that place. And so we don't want that to happen, so we got to make sure to stop it in its tracks. And furthermore, uh, uh, the, the, the devastation, the poverty can be like death. How do we know that poverty is like death? 
We learn it from the Pasuk in Shemot, there where uh, Moshe is told, listen, you can go back to Egypt because those people who were trying to kill you um, are, are gone. And so now, now they are dead. Um, uh, are dead. So therefore, Moshe, you're unsafe, right? When Moshe killed the Egyptian, so then yeah, there was a death warrant on him. He had to run away to Midian. Now those people are dead. Now who were those people? They're not named, but the Midrash says it is the Tanvaviram. Now the Tanvaviram, if it's actually them, did not die, because we see they come up in stories later. So what do you mean, Metu? All the people died that wanted to kill Moshe? Some of them were still alive. So rather, uh, it can't mean that literally they died. It must mean that something else happened to them. And poverty, when someone's so impoverished, they can't find their next meal, that's, uh, that's no, no life like that. So it's like death. Um, furthermore, Benaita says, um, when any time the sages set their eyes on a person, a person you know, disrespected them, did something wrong, then you knew what was coming. Either the person would die or they become impoverished. Right? A lot of stories in the Talmud, when there's someone that says something uh, disrespectful to a sage, you know the next line is going to be that uh, he turns into a pile of dust or a snake bit him or something like that. Um, but but um, it could also be that they just became impoverished, which is comparable to death, and therefore uh, one should keep away from saying Hashem's name in vain. One time I was in front of Rav Huna, and he heard a woman say Hashem's name in vain. So what did he do? So he excommunicated her. As we just saw, you have to do that. But it didn't last a long time. I guess she was embarrassed. She realized her mistake. And so he undid it immediately in front of her. Uh, so that's a nice little story. And we can learn a lot of things from this story. Shema mina telat, three things. Shema mina Number one, if someone says Hashem's name in vain, you got to excommunicate them. Right there on the spot. Furthermore, since in the story it emphasizes that he undid the excommunication immediately in front of her, right? So he wanted to make sure that she was still there because since he excommunicated in front of her and caused her that embarrassment, but she made teshuva, she realized her mistake, so now he undoes it also in front of her. And the last lesson is that there is no time difference uh, between, there's no time delay necessary between the excommunication and the undoing of the excommunication. Uh, one can excommunicate just for a few seconds and undo it immediately, right? Because that's all. The point is that they should, you should have to excommunicate. They did something deserving of it, but it doesn't have to last a long time. As soon as they learn their lesson, uh, it can be done with. All right, we're going to start off with a series of statements by Rav Gide Lamarav. It's going to go on to the next page, but we'll just see the first one that is relevant to excommunication. A Torah scholar can excommunicate himself and undo his own excommunication. Interesting. Pishita. Isn't this obvious? Well, I don't know if I would have thought of that, but it's obvious. Uh, seems obvious, because why not? 
thought not so because you cannot a prisoner cannot free himself from prison I guess you can put yourself you can lock yourself in a room but once you're locked in you can't get yourself out and excommunication is kind of like locking yourself you're separating yourself from everyone you are right in the in the cell and therefore it is no how can you get yourself out you need someone from the outside to pull you out this is uh also the reason why um you know so other people should pray for a person when they're sick it's hard for the person themselves when they're sick they're in jail you need another person to another person to pull them out okay so therefore we learn that no that's not the same it's true a person in jail can't get themselves out but a person excommunicated can undo the excommunication what would be a case why would anyone excommunicate themselves and then take them out maybe if they did something so bad there's no one else around they, they said Hashem's name in vain they realized oh I'm gonna excommunicate myself fine but why would you someone why would you why would you put yourself in and then take yourself out for example if there was some student that required excommunication so he felt bad to do it he was a nice teacher and he, he didn't want the person to feel too bad that he's getting excommunicated you know maybe it was a, a relatively, um, uh, you know, first-time offense. And so here's what he would do. He would excommunicate himself first because misery loves company and you could break the news more easily if I'm in the same position and I come and say, oh, listen, uh, I'm excommunicated. So I know how you feel, but listen, you're excommunicated too. And then, um, and so then he would go excommunicate the student. And then when he went home, he would unexcommunicate himself and he would unexcommunicate the student as well. So it just it didn't last a, um, a long time, less than a day, and the student would get the lesson, and then he would unexcommunicate both of them. But you see here, he would do that not because he was deserving, Mozart was not deserving of anything negative, but rather in order to uh, share uh, the, the uh, more easy, in order to break the news um, more easily. So that's why he did that, and that is a way that is permitted to do. Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen.